welcome to our Friday Five Live podcast hosted by Meg Foster. Meg has spent 20 years in higher education focused on student success initiatives and working in areas such as orientation, faculty development, online learning, student leadership, and first-year initiatives. Absolutely delighted today. Um, I, I found Hannah through, um, I think, a piece in um, maybe higher ed dive or um, uh, one of those kinds of, you know, weekly newsletters, daily newsletters and reached out and you just immediately jumped in. So thank you um, so much for that. Um, Hannah is the Senior Research Associate and Director of Applied Learning at the Community College Research Center at Teachers College, uh, Columbia University. And um, she's doing a lot of research right now around this idea of guided pathways practices. And so um, that's really going to center our conversation um, today. And when I asked Hannah, you know, was there anything in particular with her impressive resume that she really wanted to kind of share? And, and she um, shared that she has worked um, in academic advising um, in the community college arena. And so that really informs, I think that does, right? It really begins to create a lens that you can't help but see things through. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. So as always, I've prepared some questions, but we welcome your questions too. So don't hesitate, put those in the chat. Um, I reminded Hannah that I'll be happy to um, keep an eye out there for us. So, you know, we started with this kind of idea of, I mean, guided pathways, I feel like has been something we've been talking about now for kind of maybe over a decade or more. Um, as Close I think to back, it. Yeah, <laughs> on my, my experience in the community college. And would love it if you could kind of share a definition for us so that we all are sort of on the same page as we look at um, this idea of whole college um, guided pathways. Yeah, thanks. Thanks again for having me. Uh, so I would say that guided pathways is a whole college reform framework that's really designed to help reimagine how a college is organized, the programs of study that it offers, um, and in some cases, how people working in the college do their jobs, um, but really importantly, how students enter and move through programs of study uh, within, the, within the community college. So um, looking back, you said kind of 10 years, I would say that's pretty close to, to accurate. I think a lot of these ideas started coming out of the completion by design work, um, achieving the dream, uh, and it was really developed in response to some of these efforts. Um, and what we learned from them was that if a college focuses on small groups of students um, or really at one kind of part of the student experience, like if a reform just focuses on something like orientation, um, it's really not gonna be enough to um, see a change in student outcomes overall at the institution. So the, I would say the big idea of Guided Pathways is that it's about reform at scale. So for, for all students in all programs of study within a community college. So that means you know credit and non-credit programs, transfer workforce programs, um, and all students, uh, really returning adults, dual enrollment students, students are coming directly from high school, really for all students. Interesting. I mean, and when you think about like all the different projects that, you know, I've sat around tables discussing in various committee rooms over the years, mm -hmm. you, you know, that that initial effort that, oh, well, we're going to try this with this small group of students, like seems to be kind of a 
a knee-jerk gut reaction. And it makes sense, right? Okay, we can we can do it on this scale. Um, and then I always I felt like oftentimes, um, you know, it, it we just don't get the traction to be able to then scale it up to, um, or some yeah. new initiative comes along, and so we shift away from whatever that focus was. So so this you're talking about is really this is impacting all of. I mean, you're really looking at your institution as a whole, um, and and all of the components there. This yeah. is some very big work. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a big difference. Um, we talk about you know design redesign at scale, and it's really thinking about scale from from the beginning. Uh, so you know it's it's really helpful sometimes to do pilots to test things out to see what what, what works. Mm -hmm. um, guided pathways. One of the challenges with it is that when you're when you're thinking about scale, it's just it's big, right? It's it's it feels huge. Um, so I think it's really important to spend a lot of time and, you know, for, for people within the college to be involved in the, in the design and kind of the co-creation of some of these ideas, um, to really get college-wide commitment mm -hmm. and engagement in the design process. And then what we encourage colleges to do is to, at some point you've, you've kind of got to jump in and, you know, implement and just kind of adopt these practices at scale. Mm -hmm. Um, usually what colleges do will will be adopting them for all new students who are entering the college in a given semester. Mm -hmm. um, so and that, you know, that can feel really big, I think. Uh, so, you know, but but by doing that, you learn what works and what doesn't work. And then you can refine from there. I think um, what we've what we've seen in some colleges is because it is so big and it is complicated and there's a lot of moving parts and pieces. Uh, you know, it it can feel like you you need to spend more and more time planning and designing and trying to make sure that you have like the, you know the perfect whatever um, ready mm -hmm. to go. Um, when in fact, what we've seen is that if you just like colleges that jump in and try a new thing, then you can tweak it from there. But oftentimes, what you're trying out will already be better than kind of the the status quo and what you had to begin with. Oh, that's such a, we, we've talked about this, I think, several times um, in the podcast this year. Um, one of my favorite um, colleagues, who's unfortunately retiring from the Virginia Community College system, um, likes to remind us that, and I, I have it on a sticky note, like above my desk, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, um, yeah. Miles McCrimmon. And um, I, I just think that what you said is so, I think we do, we want it to be perfect, like, oh, it has to be this perfect thing. Um, and I've seen that just grind great ideas that could really be meaningfully impactful with our students to a complete halt. So, um, and maybe that feeds nicely into this kind of next question, which you really, I think, helped me to, to make sure was uh, the right one. Um, so as I mentioned, you know, I found this article which is linked, um, we'll make sure we send that out as well, about the Ask, Connect, Inspire plan framework. Um, and and I think this is such a, I mean, it just was one of those things that sort of made me pause, right? Like I read it and I was like, oh, yes, right. Wow, why, why <laughs> this is important. Um, and how it relates to this idea of um, the broader um, context of guided pathways reform. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of colleges, when they think about guided pathways, they often think about this four pillars framework that, really came out around 2015 or so. And I think it's been 
uh, it's it's been pretty widely adopted by colleges that are that are thinking about uh, mm -hmm. pathways. So you know, pillar one is clarifying the path to student and goals. Pillar two is helping students choose and enter a path. Pillar three is keeping students on a path. And pillar four is ensuring that students are learning within their program of study. Um, and so if we think about those four pillars, there's a lot that's embedded within them. So there's things like some of the structural reforms like meta majors and program maps and maybe a new student orientation, first year experience courses. Um, so there's a, there's a lot, um, a lot there, uh, even in terms of like redesigning advising, um, building in more experiential learning into, into courses and, and into programs of study. So there's a lot to guided pathways. Um, and I think in, in some ways it can start to feel, again, like a lot. Um, the Ask, Connect, Inspire plan framework focuses in on the second pillar. So that's helping students oh. choose and enter a path. Um, because getting students on a path is really, really important to their longer term success. Um, and if we think about the four pillars again, like it, it provides a necessary foundation for pillars three and pillars four, because you can't keep students on a path or ensure that they're learning in a program if they're not in a program. Um, so if we, so we think that like creating this motivating, um, more equitable onboarding experience, this process of helping students choose and enter a path um, is, is one way of kind of focusing the guided pathways work. Um, on a part of a student, on a part of the student experience that we think can have a really big impact. Mm -hmm. um, so, really starting those. So the idea is we want to start at the beginning if we want to see um, improved longer-term outcomes. Uh, so, you know, we we know that about forty-five percent of students um, who started a community college leave within their first year. So community college students lose almost half of their students during their first year. And uh, if we we also know that a lot of students apply to a community college and then they never actually end up enrolling or mm -hmm. making it to that census date. And so, you know, the question is why? Why are we losing students right at the beginning? And, and why are we losing students within the first year? Um, we think one reason that students leave is because they don't see a clear path to their goals. Um, so if we're thinking about the front end, this idea of program onboarding, we can engage students early, help them get on a path um, that's you know, inspiring, that's motivating, so they can see that they're you know, making progress towards their goals mm -hmm. um, and also feel like valued members of the, of the college community. We think that that can make a really big difference in increasing those fall to fall retention rates and then ultimately and hopefully increasing some of those longer term outcomes as well. This is just so, so, um, you know, in my work, I teach um, first year experience students at a community college and mm -hmm. we have just, and I, I've, and I've been doing this work now for 16 or 17 years. And I feel like every couple of years, we try to revision, right? How does it connect into the bigger picture of getting students, quite frankly, on some sort of path, right? Um, and it's, it's a struggle because there's so many parts to that. Um, um, I've never worked in an institution where we have enough staff, right? Like, yeah. And if anybody works at that institution, please let us know. We, <laughs> we want to hear about that. Um, and, and a lot of this work is very, um, it's very time intensive with our students. I mean, 
honestly, you know, sitting down and having a conversation with a student, what are your goals? Um, have you done any career assessment? You know, or I feel like students right. are always so aware of the things they see around them to be when they grow up, quote unquote, you know, oh, I see teachers, I see nurses, I see doctors. I, um, but there's this, all those other areas of work. So, um, so just to maybe t take a second away from kind of the questions we prepared, what about that work? And maybe this is kind of the next question in a way, you know, what advice do you have for institutions beginning this work, work of exploring and implementing um, whole guided pathways? But then also that second piece of like, how do we begin to do this work in a way that sets up such a clear framework for our students? Because I, I feel like half the students I teach are often asking this very question I, about... Yeah. I, I know I need to be here, but I don't know what that means. And I, yeah. I don't know what path I'm on. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so we, I think this, you know, it, it might be helpful to like, just maybe explain each part of, part of this framework yeah. a little bit. Um, and so, you know, we, we think about ask is it's really about um, talking to students about their interests, their goals, their aspirations, um, in order to begin the process of identifying a program of study that's, you know, going to help them meet their goals. Uh, and, you know, a couple of things about ask is it's more than just a question. So it's not a, what do you want to major in? Um, but it's really this iterative and ongoing conversation um, to help students explore their interests, um, think about their strengths, identify different educational and career paths and opportunities um, that, you know, are aligned with those, their, you know, their interests and their goals. Um, and, you know, I was talking about ask recently and, and one thing someone said, they were like, well, you know, some students may not know what they don't know. And so, you know, I think it's important in these early conversations with an advisor, a faculty member, um, whoever it is um, to really, you know, try to surface some of these, you know, some of these issues and just, you know, talk to students about, their goals and what brought them to the to the institution as mm -hmm. well. Um, and another important piece of ask is it's also learning more about the students' life circumstances. So mm -hmm. what's going on in their lives that may have an impact on them pursuing, um, you know, pursuing higher education. So, you know, do they have stable transportation? Um, are they caring for family members, children, or, or you know, parents? Um, do they have, you know, secure housing? Like what's, what's going on in their, in their lives so that we can um, help provide the students with the support and the resources, either through the college or within the community to help ensure that when, when things come up, as we often hear that they, that they do, that we can give the students the support that they need. So that's kind of all baked into, to ask. And, you know, just to give one other example of this is when a, I was talking to a college and they realized that uh, when they were talking to new students who were coming in, they realized that the first question they were asking students is, are you a credit student or a non-credit student? And then they were asked students, are you a transfer student or a workforce student? And so it's just kind of putting students in these small boxes that were created by the institution that probably don't mean much to students. Like they came to the college with a goal and now we're asking them, are they credit or non-credit? Like, it's just, it doesn't make much sense. So now the mm -hmm. college is asking them, like, what brought you here? What are your goals? And it's starting the conversation. But the follow-on to ask is connect. 
And this is really important because this is where we're helping students build these connections, these relationships, and a community within the college. So really intentionally connecting students to faculty members, to other students, maybe to employers, just to other folks within the college who can help them learn more about the things that they've expressed an interest in um, and you know, give them other folks who, who they can talk to and start to uh, build this, this community with. Um, and then Inspire is about lighting students' fire for learning, getting them excited about their program, about being in college. Um, it can also continue to facilitate students' exploration of their interest. Um, it can help build their confidence as learners and support their connections with, with faculty members and, and peers within the institution. And then the fourth part is just plan. So helping students develop an educational plan that's going to show them their path to completing a degree and to whatever comes next for them, whether that's transfer or direct entry into the workforce. Um, and the idea is these plans are going to be different for every single student. So like Meg, your plan, maybe you want to take 12 credits a semester and you wanna take summer classes. So, you know, you can see your plan and you're gonna be done with a, an associate degree in two years. But I think that I can only take six or maybe nine credits a semester. So I can see that my plan is gonna be longer. But, you know, then at least I know how long it's gonna take, what courses I need to take. Um, and it's, it's, it's really reassuring and motivating to students to, to see this plan and then to see that they're making progress along this plan. So kind of to this next question, I think, um, you know, I think uh, I like to say that there's a role for everyone in this work. This isn't just that, you know, people who are, you know, always meeting with students at the front end, admissions, you know, recruiters, advisors, this isn't just up to them to do this, ask, connect, inspire, and plan, but it's really up to, to everyone within the college to um, find some way to, to get involved in this work and to start building these connections early with students. You know, I'm, I'm so just reflecting on, on my experience this semester, and I, I know many of us have talked about that it's been a really strange return to school mm -hmm. this year. Um, you know, and we're still, I think, continuing to deal with the, the effects of pandemic learning, and I think we're going to whether or not you want to call it learning loss or any whatever it is that we want to title that um, or label that, I think we're going to be seeing that for for a long time. And there may be a, a cultural shift in education that is long lasting. I think as a result of 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 that. Um, and and I'm thinking particularly about you know how we create assignments in my class. You know to attempt to get students to understand their educational path. You know what is like from the beginning, what is the program? Identify the program you are in. Because a lot of times students are like, I don't know. I signed up for something, right? Like I filled yeah. out an application. I'm, I'm not sure what I meant. Um, and then trying to verify is that the right. And in this year, we've worked, done some work around Odyssey planning, which I don't really know has been as meaningful as I wanted it to be. You know, you have these grand ideas. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of thinking about what do the next five years look like? And will you, you know, be working still on a degree and things like that? And, but I'm intrigued by this idea of inspire because I feel like that's a place my students are really not feeling it. And, mm -hmm. and I'm often reminded that um, 
for somebody who is as nerdy as myself, right? I mean, I work in a college because I never wanted to leave education. Um, there are a lot of people that I teach who do not really love being in a classroom. Um, and But they know it's a means to an end, right? Mm -hmm. And so that inspire piece, I think, is so important. Um, but one I know I personally have really struggled with this semester. Any, are you seeing anything that you're like, wow, this institution is doing some really cool stuff around getting students inspired or, or any of yeah. these? Um, yeah, I think the inspire piece is really, really important. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's up to faculty members to, you know, think about um, how can they create connections between their courses and you know the content of their courses and students' lives and their lived experiences. How could we also create connections between these courses and um, students' programs of study? And so helping them see the connections and the importance of some of the things that they're learning in these courses to um, what they think they want to do. Because sometimes, you know, if a student is taking gen ed courses, they might feel like it's well, I have to take these courses and these are the requirements, but really, how can we help them, you know, understand that, you know, you are taking these art courses and, you know, these humanity courses, and they're going to be really important for you, even in your career in business, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I think thinking about that may be useful. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I do think that there's a couple pieces to inspire, like, it, it can't just be up to faculty members um, to, you know, be inspired, right? Like I think it is important, but how can the how can the college, how can the institution also provide the support, the resources, and the time and space to faculty to um, to think about these these questions and these issues? Because I know so many community college faculty are teaching so many courses every semester, um, so it can be hard to think about rethinking assignments or you know the lectures or whatever it is. Um, so I think it is really important to also think about the role in the institution in, in facilitating, uh, in facilitating this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think about how many of um, our community college students across the nation are taught by adjunct instructors. Right. Um, yeah. And, 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 and I mean, I'm, I'm an adjunct. My husband is an adjunct. I mean, I think there's important work done there, but it's, harder to um, capture that group, you know, from a, a, a messaging perspective. Hey, you know, the mm -hmm. institution is really adopting this. Here are some um, training opportunities for you. I, I, I think that's a real um, struggle. And I think, too, about our student services folks, right? How can they be a part? I think they often play such an important role in this, mm -hmm. in, in all of this, but um, can be a real key players with this inspire piece. Yeah, I mean, I think it can, it goes back to ask, um, we say that, you know, inspire can be any course can be an inspiring course. Um, but we also want to get students in courses that really are exciting and are of interest to them. But to figure out what those are, it requires this conversation, and learning about, you know, their goals and their interests and the things that they love doing. And maybe the inspire course for a student isn't really like, a program course in their major, but just something that they that they love. Um, so I think that that's really important. Um, and there's a scheduling component to this as well that I think is important to to consider. Um, but I I also think that 
it's an interesting exercise is to kind of look at what are the most commonly taken courses or enrolled in courses for first semester students at your institution. And what we find is that, you know, oftentimes students are taking very, very similar courses in their first term. So oftentimes, um, you know, if, if a college is offering developmental education, many students are still assigned to developmental education. Um, so oftentimes they end up taking math, English, maybe a first year experience course. And, but oftentimes to take these courses that might be a program course. So I'm interested in biology, but mm -hmm. I can't take bio 101 because there's all these prereqs that I'm not needing. So I think thinking about some of those structural issues is also really important. What's what's preventing students from taking some of these courses that they might really be interested in? And are these prereqs really necessary in all cases? Um, could they, so could some courses be taken simultaneously? Um, do you know, th does it have to be in this certain sequence? So there's a lot that goes into, that goes into that, um, a lot of kind of questions to unpack. Yeah, and that's such a, a great point. Um, and I know, you know, in my now longer term in higher ed, and um, I've certainly seen that evolution, right? Um, where it used to be that when I first got involved, right, that you would have like potentially eight developmental math classes that you might have to take before you were able to finally take, um, you know, a college level math class. And so, you know, that redesign of of and 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 being or uh, being thinking differently about how do we get students into these? Because how frustrating would it be that oh, I just want to? I really think I'm passionate about this, but well, it's going to be at least a year before yeah. you get to explore that at all. Um, which exactly. is not not the same way, in my experience, that we structure four year institutions. Mm -hmm. At the four year institutions I've worked at, oh, you're interested in science? Well. Let's pop you at like let's let's begin to explore that interest from the get go. Um, so, yeah. it, Stacy's put an interesting question in um, about faculty buying into this framework, and I, I mean, I feel for our faculty. I know we often there are moments where we're like, oh, one one more thing, okay. Um, so how how have you yeah. seen institutions um, kind of do this work to get? because this really does take the entire team, the staff and faculty. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's why I think it is really important for the institution, the college leadership to think about how to provide time, space and resources to faculty to, to consider this. Um, we, we, we've shared this idea, these ideas with a lot of faculty or we did these summer institutes um, with teams from colleges the last two summers, and we really focused on the ACIP framework. Um, and I think there's, uh, you know, I think there is a lot of, we've heard a lot of enthusiasm for these ideas. I think the the issues you're raising are the ones that we also hear about and mm -hmm. and and understand. So, um, you know, we're 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 still learning. I, you know, I think these are ideas that have that came out of our you know original ideas about the guided pathways framework and so as we talk to colleges as we hear from faculty like i think you know these ideas will continue to evolve so uh, we we definitely welcome you know feedback on this i think uh one thing i would say in, in conversations with faculty and kind of academic leadership um 
what I've encouraged is, you know, kind of starting small in some ways, which mm -hmm. goes back to our initial conversation, like, but maybe it's thinking about just a new assignment in a course or one kind of lecture, like starting small in some ways and not just thinking about, okay, I need to completely redesign right. my entire course and the whole syllabus, but starting on a, on a smaller scale. Um, one, one faculty member I, I heard from, they didn't, they weren't exactly referencing Inspire, but what they were talking about really made me think about it. And they were math faculty. And what they what they talked about was developing, uh, they, students had to do a research project in the course. So um, what they did was they really encouraged the students to come up with a research question that you know came out of their lives, something that they were interested in. And then they had to go and collect the data on it. So it really became this, this exercise and this assignment, this activity that, um, you know, they were learning about statistics um, and doing a research project, but it was about something that they cared about mm -hmm. um, and something that was important to them. So I think that's kind of, that's one example I would think of, of kind of an, an, an inspiring activity. Yeah, I love that. And I love that idea of, of not, oh, well, you know, you got to blow up everything you've done, right? And start all over again from scratch. But what right. what's something you can do this semester? What's something you can build on for next semester? Um, you know, and I, I think in my my discussions with faculty and I have them every week, like we're so eager for our students to do well. I mean, it's just, you know, it's the heart and soul of what we do. And, and I think um, um, constantly, I, I think having this kind of framework to sort of, um, reevaluate what I'm doing is, is, is wonderful and welcomed because mm -hmm. what I have done in the past does not appear to be working as well anymore. Um, and I think because there are new challenges that are out there. And so um, I, I, you know, and I understand that we're as, we're talking about this as whole college, but I'm thinking about it, you know, in my own personal experience with my, my students. Yeah. But, um, so I, I'm, I'm at a point where I'm welcoming, please. <laughs> I want to provide inspiration. I want people to be on a pathway. Um, and I'm curious yeah. too, we had a conversation um, in this, in our Friday Five Live a couple earlier in the fall semester um, about being a student ready institution. And, and, and I think that really is another way of saying having a guided pathways approach because mm -hmm. uh, they spoke to kind of, they didn't speak to pillars, they spoke to sort of four buckets. Um, but is that, as we talk about this language, is, is being a student ready institution sort of an outcome of this whole guided pathways initiative? Yeah, I think that's a good way of, I think that's a good way of thinking about it um, because it's, you know, it's kind of flipping the script from our students college ready to, are we ready for students and to meet them where they are? Um, uh, and I think that that's a really important piece of this. Uh, it kind of, it makes me think, you know, back to what you were saying earlier about like talking to students in, in your classes about their majors and what they wanna study. And, you know, I think um, from an Ask, Connect, Inspire plan, Guided Pathways perspective, I think that, um, it would be really important as part of being a student ready college to think about how can we talk to every student who's coming in about their interests, their goals, their aspirations, and what brought them here. Um, 
And, you know, even students who might select a major on their application, maybe they look a little bit more decided, but the decidedness spectrum is, I think, pretty, pretty wide. And, you know, I think so if we, if we think about it from that perspective, it's sort of, well, let's talk to every student about this, even ones who, you know, look like they picked a major, uh, but let's talk to them about why they picked business as their major, what went into that decision, mm -hmm. um, you know, what do they want to do? Um, because even if it does sound like it's a really good fit for them, let's talk about getting them into some courses that, you know, will help them learn more about the business field, uh, maybe getting them in, you know, some internships or some sort of work-based learning experience early on um, to see if, you know, this, they do, you know, enjoy this, this type of work. So I think um, it is about, you know, how can we do this for, for all students, including adult students? Um, I think that they're an important population that's often uh, not included in, in some of these cases. Same with some transfer right. students, because, you know, students come in with a couple credits and oftentimes then there's a policy. Well, if you have 12 credits or whatever, uh, you don't have to do orientation. You don't have to do a new student advising appointment. Um, but I think it's just important for, for all of those, mm -hmm. for all those students as well. So I think part of being a student ready college is thinking about how can we incorporate these activities into the onboarding experience for, for all, for all of our students. That's such a, a great point in that. Um, I, I think we are sometimes guilty of kind of assuming, oh, well, you've done college before. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's I think, yeah, why are we opting out some students right. from these experiences? Um, maybe they need a slightly, maybe an adult student needs a slightly different onboarding experience. Um, and, you know, that probably would be beneficial. Like we did, I did a, a paper with a, with a colleague Serena Klumpen um, on adult students and thinking about the guided pathways framework and what it means for, for adult students. And what we heard from adults is, is this issue of like, we want these experiences. Like we really, really wanna talk to someone about our interest goals, make sure we're in the right program, that we have a clear timeline, we know how we're gonna pay for it. Um, these are really important issues, but you know, maybe they don't need the exact same orientation as someone who's coming directly from high school. Um, so how can we kind of tailor some of these supports to different different student populations mm -hmm. to make sure that they're getting the supports that they need and that it's mm -hmm. not just kind of a generic, um, you know, a generic type of support for all students. Right. A one size kind of fits, fits all right. approach. Um, right. Yeah, I, I love that. We um, in our our November podcast, um, I, I ha we had a conversation really kind of focused on this idea of adult learners and um, uh, the fluidity of students. Um, and it was a really uh, mm -hmm. cool framework to think about, you know, how our students are moving in and out of our institutions, but but being conscious of those needs of support still. That, um, and that blends so nicely into um, Colleen's posed a question for us. Um, what do you think about the admissions component with student orientation and those next student, new sorry, new student next steps? Um, and I just think that speaks to, you know, kind of what you've begun to allude to here. Um, and, and I know our, our two-year institutions are often um, kind of newer, I think, to the admissions work, right? We've mm -hmm. done that for a long, long time at our four-year schools, but I think our two-year schools are um, kind of very much more focused 
understandably so our enrollments are down we we mm -hmm. you know, need to be focused on on that admissions process on bringing students in um and i feel like often our admissions processes are are complicated at our our two-year institutions when you're open to the community you do have well you're a transfer and you have some credit and you you're a returning student and you're brand new right. um it's a mixed bag which makes it messy yeah i i think this gets at the idea of um just learning what brought students to the college to this meeting with an admissions representative that day uh you know are they are they happy in their job but are looking to upskill on a couple things that might get them a raise or a promotion um are they looking to come back and complete an associate's degree are they someone who just graduated from high school um, and maybe took dual enrollment and so they have some courses that they're you know wanting to apply to their degree mm -hmm. uh, so i think it's just really critical to start these conversations and to have them with with every student who comes in to the uh, comes into the institution, because then you're going to learn about what each student needs and what their goals are, and then from there we can further uh, tailor supports and tailor a path to every student. So, but it's really hard to do that if we're not learning about what brought them in, what their goals are, um, what their timeline is to completion, what's going on in their lives. So I think that that's all really, really a critical piece of it. Um, and I think that the other big piece about Ask, Connect, Inspire plan that I've sort of alluded to is that it's, and this gets at the orientation um, that Colleen's talking about, you know, it's oftentimes onboarding into community colleges is kind of just, it's onboarding to the college. But what Ask, Connect, Inspire plan is about is onboarding into a program of study. And I no. think there's a big difference there. Um, you know, I used to be involved in helping with an orientation program, and you know, it it was it was very sort of just general information. You know, here's different. You know, here are different buildings on campus. Here's some things you need to know. Um, you know, remember to do X, Y, and Z. But when if we think about it from the ASIP perspective, it's about really this focus on getting students into a program of study from the start and then they can change their minds and a lot of students are going to change their minds um, but if we can learn about their goals and interests from the starts maybe get them into some courses in that field early on they might start to realize okay i do love this or maybe i don't love this as much as i mm -hmm. thought i would and then they can change their major but ideally they can do that earlier and not mm -hmm. later mm -hmm. so um, and then this relates to this, you know, the issue of prereqs. And if we're not helping students take some of these courses until their second year, their third year, and then they're not realizing that they don't love it, then that's pretty late to be changing your major. So I think one of the one of the questions we often get about guided pathways is this is this locking students into a path? And my response mm. is definitely not. This is helping them learn early and really have a more facilitated, um, an intentional exploration process so that they can change and figure this out earlier rather than later. Later. Um, we've gotten a great question um, from Richard, and I've got to say it's sort of uh, one of the things I'm thinking about as you're talking is how this is a lot of information we need to collect on our students, right? And how mm -hmm. do we then, like, 
I have this information that I received from my first year experience classes on a student, but I don't have any way to share that then so that their academic advisor can say, oh, well, you know, Jill finished, did this advising a career assignment where she indicated that these are two different pathways she might be interested in pursuing. Like it, it just kind of goes into a void. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Richard's comment is um, this really, uh, the whole college model requires collaboration across offices and services. Um, can you speak to how that looks and how these inner office conversations can include students as well? Uh, we're struggling with the facilitative software interfaces like Starfish. Are there models for facilitating offline conversations? And I know that's a, a multi-part and complex question, but, but I do want to highlight, and I really love that, that Richard brought this up, how are we listening to our students, right, in this, yeah. in these processes as well? Because um, I think sometimes we're very good at thinking we know what students want um, and not listening to them. Yeah, I think one thing we want to avoid is is in general, but with like, let's say with ask is we don't want to have every, everyone now asking the students the same questions and then they're telling their story over and over again. And I think another frustrating thing for students is when, you know, they might come to one office and then the person's like, oh, you need to go talk to that person. And then we send them around. So mm-hmm. um, I think it really is important to be able to share this information so that for the students, it just seems kind of seamless. And you go to someone and they can kind of look you up and get some information. Like that's ideal. Uh, I think, you know, Starfish, some of these other programs can definitely help facilitate this if um, people are using the notes sections of these tools mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, I had a meeting, um, you know, you and I had a meeting, Meg, and I'm your student and you took down kind of an, some notes about what we talked about. And then, you know, the next time I, I'm going to see the registrar and they can kind of pull up my account and they can see what we talked about. So that sort of thing can be helpful, but kind of organizationally, what some colleges are moving towards is having what's sometimes called like student success teams or care teams. And oftentimes they're being organized by meta major. So you'll have Mm -hmm. a success team or a care team for the STEM meta major, for the business meta major, for the social behavioral sciences meta major. And within that, success team, you might have um, a couple, depending on the size of the institution, number of students, but like a academic advisor who is, you know, assigned to students within that meta major. You might have um, a financial aid representative or and a registrar who are kind of the liaisons to that care team. And so you've got all these people who are kind of embedded within this, you know, group of people who are supporting the students within this meta major. So then if you if you have that sort of structure, then those care teams can meet regularly and you're more you're more able to share information about your students. Um, and so if you have like advisors who are assigned to the meta major, then you know the faculty member can more easily follow up with that advisor because mm-hmm. they know who the advisor is for that meta major. If a student needs help from financial aid, they know who the person is who assigned to their programs of study so they can go see them. So it kind of, um, it provides a set of people who are kind of responsible for the students in that area. And the students know who they are and they know who their students are. So it can be really helpful. And I think kind of facilitate this care and this belonging for students. Right, which speaks to that that connect 
um, piece exactly. so very nicely. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I really love that idea. Um, we only have, oh, we're actually at time. Um, and um, so I apologize. I, I don't know if you've got a second just to share if there are any recommendations um, for small practices that we can incorporate. Anything we didn't capture. I mean, I feel like I've walked away with lots of great ideas about things I can do in my class with my students. But you know, is thinking about our student services folks, is there anything they could do today um, that might begin to help make a difference? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I think it's helpful sometimes to think about how we picked our major and how we decided on it and what were the influential people and practices mm -hmm. and experiences we have that helped us figure that out. So it might've been an awesome faculty member, an awesome advisor, um, you know, these people and experiences are are really important in helping figure this out. Um, so I think, you know, if you think about the students who entered your college this fall, like how much did you learn about their goals and their interests? And do you feel like they're on a path right now, you know, at the end of their first semester mm -hmm. to, to meet those goals? Um, and so I think for, for anyone, it's, you know, thinking about how can, how can you ask, how can you connect how can you inspire and, and help students make a plan? And it could start with small things. And, uh, you know, it can, I think it can, can build from there. But um, just to give one other example, we, one college we're working with that is adopting some ACIP practices, the, the CFO of the college became really interested in, in these ideas. And the college has a large um, native student population and as a member of that community, she wanted to reach out. So she started, she wrote a letter, she reached out to students um, just to make herself available um, so that students would know that they could come to her um, and having many you know, similar lived experiences, you know, she would be able to be a connection for those people. So mm -hmm. I think there's ways that everyone can get involved in this mm -hmm. work, um, but it's you know, thinking about how can, how, what role can I play? How can I how can I get involved in, in this? It's just a, a good place to start. Absolutely. What an inspirational conversation. Hannah, everybody is just um, our, our chat, you know, thank you so much. And um, folks who are taking pages of notes just like I did. Um, so I just am so grateful um, for your time and your insights and the research that you're doing. It's really, 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 really important. So we all are appreciative of you um, and, and everything you're doing. And we did link out when we'll make sure that anyone who gets this recording receives um, that um, the research that you shared with us at the beginning of our program today. Anna, thank Great. you so much. I hope you have a thank wonderful so end to your fall semester and a fantastic start um, to the new year. This is just, I think, a beautiful way to wrap up um, 2022 here on Friday Five Live. Well, thanks for having me and thanks for everyone for your questions and, and for joining today. Thank you, everybody. We hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. We hope there's time for rest and renewal and Friday Five Live will be back in the new year. Um, please do fill out our survey if um, you've got ideas for a topic you'd like us to discuss or somebody you'd like us to invite on. Um, we always, always welcome that feedback. So thanks so much, everybody. Have a great weekend wherever you are. Um, stay warm for those of us in the colder climates and enjoy for the rest of you. Take care. Friday Five Live is brought to you by Innovative Educators. Innovative Educators offers six online services for your onboarding support and training needs. 
Visit us at innovativeeducators.org to see how we can support your student success initiatives.